0: Welcome to the Athletes Mindset Academy podcast, where we teach mindset training to coaches, parents, and athletes. Join in on the conversation with our coaches as they share their experiences, talk with other experts, and teach coaches and parents how to develop happy, healthy athletes who know how to win. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome. This is Coach Allie with Athletes Mindset Academy. I am back and I am going to be introducing to you Jess. She was actually one of my athletes when I was a gymnastics coach at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. So, Jess, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So hello everybody, I'm Jess. I
1: was an athlete at UWL with um, Allie being my coach for four years and just ended last season in 2020 with the pandemic and everything. We were set to go to nationals and our season was cut short there. So kind of transitioning into life now outside of gymnastics but I'm currently a physical therapy student at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse and I'm set to graduate in May of 2022.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And we also have Krista back. If you've been following along, she's been with us the last few podcasts talking a lot about grief. And I'm going to let her introduce herself again, but she's really going to take the lead on this podcast. And she's learned a lot about athletics and gymnasts and maybe how we don't like to express our emotions. So she's going to be asking us some of those questions and some of those hard questions today. So Krista.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. So I'm Krista St. Germain, and I'm a master certified life coach, grief expert. I'm a widow. I'm a mom. I'm also a podcast host. And my love is to help people figure out how to truly love life again after a loss. And so I am fascinated by by feelings. I'm fascinated by post-traumatic growth. I'm fascinated by how we can really create whatever we want with our minds and um you know, and interested in uncovering how grief can be a springboard for that, which often, you know, people don't think that it's going to be a springboard for growth, they think it's going to be kind of a showstopper, or a game changer, a bad thing and something they just kind of have to settle for and I don't see it that way at all. I think it can actually be a path to deeper meaning deeper um, resiliency more you know spiritual connection greater growth, all of the good stuff in life, depending on how we choose to use it. So yeah. Yeah, and I've been really fascinated to see, Ali, to your point about how it really is so true so far, based on every conversation I've had, that as athletes, it doesn't seem like you're taught at all about emotion, and maybe even worse than the people I work with. Usually, like the women that I work with have lost a spouse, and they weren't really taught anything that helped them deal with emotion, but they also weren't taught anything that harmed them with emotion as much. And it seems like there's this kind of pervasive, suck it up, compartmentalize, feelings are bad, you know, don't let yourself feel anything kind of mentality they're actually taught as athletes. So Jess, I'd love to know how that kind of showed up for you. What were you taught about feelings along the way? Yeah,
1: so I think for me, some of it came from my family and the culture that I grew up in. I came from a very small town and a very workhorse kind of mentality where you do the work and you don't show emotion behind it. So I can definitely relate to that a lot. And I think that that kind of transitioned into gymnastics as well. With some of my coaches, it was kind of like, if you fall off the balance beam, you compose yourself, you pick yourself back up and you finish your routine. You don't cry, you don't get upset about it and you just, life moves on. And it was kind of like from a young age, I was taught that. And then therefore it transitioned into other parts of my life, you know, losing my grandma and not being able to like accurately grief from that and like feel the emotions behind that because I was taught to conceal it and to not show that emotion. So kind of my entire life, all of the examples like leading up to it I just didn't know what to do when I felt that sadness or that grief.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so as I think about emotion, just because we're feeling an emotion doesn't mean we actually have to show it. It doesn't have to, people don't need to know that we're feeling something, right? We can be allowing an emotion to flow through us without resistance. And it doesn't look like any particular thing. So I can see there could have been a nice balance that says, hey, you know, in athletics, you can feel a feeling, but don't let it deter you from getting back in the game, Mm -hmm. right? And so I can see the best of intentions with that, but it seems like what was actually received was feelings aren't okay. So not only should you not let them interfere with your performance, but they like, there's something wrong about their mere existence and you shouldn't give them any sort of attention let alone let others know that you're having them. Is that kind of what you experienced? Yeah,
1: accurate. And there's definitely been countless times like throughout high school and stuff where you just have a bad practice and you feel like you have to go into the bathroom and hide it and cry in the bathroom instead of coming out and like talking to your teammates or talking it through and getting to the bottom of the frustration that you're feeling.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So essentially it's like, if I have this emotion, that means I need to show it. And since I can't show it, I shouldn't have it. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is such a, um, an unfortunate idea, right? I had this, this reminds me of um, something that I went through as a part of a training where I was working on my master coach certification. And someone asked me, um, in my training to close my eyes and feel excited for a minute and she timed me like the whole room was staring at me and my job was just to feel excited with my eyes closed and so in my mind what I thought I was supposed to do was to act excited and so like a complete idiot right totally closed my eyes like running around the room like air high-fiving and like you know jumping up and down and trying to act excited. And the, bless this coach, (laughs) she let me go for the full time. And then she stopped me and she said, like, why did you think that because I asked you to feel excited, you needed to act excited? And it kind of hit me like a truck. Oh, okay. Feeling an emotion has nothing to do with the way that we act. We can feel something and it happens completely internally. We can be so still on the exterior facial expressions aren't relevant you know things we do or don't do really aren't relevant and we can be allowing a feeling to be in our physical body and i think that might be the sweet spot here where we really need to focus on this skill of yes we don't want to be held back by an emotion su- such that it affects your your performance and like knocks you out of the flow state that you need to be in and acknowledging that the emotion is there and letting it flow through us will allow us to do that. It doesn't, I don't think it has to be this rigid, you know, compartmentalization where we block it all out necessarily. I think it's, it can be both. We can allow and also stay, stay there. Yeah. I wonder how, how do you think that might've changed things? Is that, does that feel like fairy tale land, Jess?
1: No, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. I feel like If I was simply able to, you know, fall off the balance beam, feel those emotions in that moment. And like, even, you know, maybe I got back on the beam and I finished my routine and I was able to like, feel those emotions following that routine. I would have been able to flip it and turn it around and then make my next turn like during practice that much better. But Mm -hmm. instead you're able to just, you just allow all of that to build. And then it carries through beam to floor, to vault, to bars, you know, and it just entwines itself in your entire practice. And then you just lost a whole day versus I felt that emotion and now I'm able to let it go in a healthy way, get back on the beam and finish
2: what I started. Yeah, otherwise it's like built, like you said, it's building, you're resisting it. And so it's persisting and you're kind of adding energy to something that you're actually trying <laughs> to get rid of. It's right. kind, kind of counterintuitive. I like to imagine sometimes when I'm talking about this to my clients that it's like if there's a stream coming down a hill, you know, and the stream being emotion, what most of us try to do is we, we try to like block it with a piece of wood. Like we don't want it there. And so it's like we throw something in front of it, but really all that does is it just, it kind of creates this backlog where then, you know, the water kind of builds up and around that, that material that we've tried to dam it with. And so eventually what happens, you know, it goes over, it knocks the wood out, whatever. And so how can we find that sweet spot where instead of trying to block it, we're like a screen where we just kind of let it come down the hill, but then through us. And so we don't add any resistance to it. It just passes without, you know, suffering. And then it's kind of over and done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder what you were taught about your, like what was the mental dialogue you had with yourself when something didn't go the way that you wanted to, you know, if you felt a negative emotion, was it, I shouldn't be feeling this way there's something wrong with me. If I do, it's weak to feel this way. Like what was the internal dialogue that you were taught?
1: Yeah. I think that a lot of times, um, some of those negative emotions or like things that I didn't know how to deal with. They in turn turned into like self-hatred thoughts of just Mm -hmm. like, I'm not good enough. This isn't good enough. I'm not good enough. Like in spiraled almost out of control in that sense. And it came out, as in my worth and my value was being placed solely on that routine and my fall. I fell Mm -hmm. off the beam and therefore I fall in life.
2: And so I just
1: wasn't able to put that together, I think, and feel those emotions and not associate them with self-hatred thoughts.
2: Mm -hmm. And so then did you judge the feelings that you felt? What was that like?
1: A little bit, I would say. Um, I think you look around at the women around you and they all have it composed and together. They're also not feeling. So you think I'm different. I have these Mm. feelings and I'm not supposed to have them. And Mm. therefore like, I didn't know what to do with them. And then that almost spiraled into more self-hatred of just like, you're different. You don't know how to control your emotions. And therefore that makes you less than everybody else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then if everybody's having those thoughts in isolation or variations on that theme, then everyone's kind of self-isolating and thinking they're they're the damaged one and still not acknowledging that it's human to have feelings. Right. Yeah. When did that shift for you? Or is it something that's in the process of shifting?
1: I think that that really shifted for me at the beginning of my final season in gymnastics. So I mm-hmm. kind of because of my grad school degree I did my first year of PT school with gymnastics and I didn't think that I was going to be able to do that so it took the pressure off of me to be like this is my final season because I had thought that my final season was the season prior to so this was kind of Mm -hmm. like a bonus year in my eyes bonus and I got to just have fun (laughs) and Mm -hmm. that was a lot of fun and I just got to almost feel a little bit more from that so I think the shift too was I just started to develop my relationship a little bit with God too and figure out that my worth is not in gymnastics. Like my yes. worth is in who I am
2: as a child of God. And yes, it was given happened. to you at birth.
1: Yes. yes, yes, it was given to me at birth and that's not dependent on whether I fall off the balance beam or not. And that grounded me enough to then be like, it's okay to feel this way. And all of the women around me are also feeling that way. And how can I help them out of it? And how can I help that, like you said, that water flow freely and not build up and just come crashing down?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested too to hear because you said you just got to have fun with it Mm the senior year or bonus year. What do you think it would have been like and how do you think you would have performed if you actually thought you just got to have fun with it in the other years?
1: It would have changed it completely for me, I think. And we joke a lot of time. I Me and Ali Berry joke all the time. its just like you could tell when I got frustrated and I got angry because my gymnastics went way down. Like the only time, mm-hmm. like the times when I was really thriving as a gymnast was when I was having fun and you saw a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. So like, there's times when I would have a frown or I would be frustrated, and Ali Berry's like, "I need you to go like dance it out or go laugh <laughs> a little bit and come back. You know, feel some kind of emotion that's not yeah. just, like, debilitating." I have to be perfect. This has to be right.
2: Otherwise, Mm -hmm. I'm
1: terrible, you know?
2: Yeah. Did that feel counterintuitive to you? Oh like someone telling you to go have fun and dance it out.
1: Yeah, it was. And I think because I'm so especially like with my childhood and being brought up with, you know, the workhorse mentality, like you have to work until you get it right. And that's not true. I didn't have to keep going and keep going and keep going until I got it right. Like I what I really needed was to be able to take the pressure off myself and have some fun and then let the gymnastics follow from that.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. And I think if, if people could really get behind that, even though it seems probably like your performance would suffer if you're having fun, then maybe that's not true at all. Maybe the opposite is true. And when you're in joy and you're in flow and you're having, you know, like you're really connected to, you know, the sport that you love, that that's when you probably perform your best. Yeah, Absolutely. and if you mess up, nobody—it's like it doesn't matter because, as you said, your worth is not at stake.
1: Yeah,
2: your worth is fully intact, and you didn't even have to earn it; it was just given to you.
0: Yeah, Krista, yeah. I would like to point out one thing from all this too. Is um, just made a good point of like thinking that she was different from everybody else because mm-hmm. of not feeling, and I think part of that comes from even as a coach, I've done this before and I've learned a lot from it, but basically saying like, well, if you're negative, then you're going to make everybody in this gym negative. It's
2: contagious.
0: Yes. So feelings are contagious. And to an extent, like you can get some enthusiasm and you can build off of each other. And that is a real thing, but it was just so, it's ingrained in them that like, if I'm sad or if I'm having a bad day, then everybody else around me is going to have a bad day and I'm ruining it for everybody. Mm, so then so it's much also this pressure. added pressure. Yes. This added yeah. pressure of like, now, not only is being sad wrong for me, it's wrong for the entire team. And now I've just ruined it for everybody. Yeah. And that's been that, um, I'd say I struggled with a lot too. Like that's why I suppressed my emotions as a gymnast. And in mm-hmm. addition to that, my go-to was like, well, it's so much worse. It could be so much worse could be so much worse therefore my
2: feelings are invalid
0: correct so I'm always like well my since I only fell once and someone else could have fallen twice you know it's so much worse for them so whatever it was like I would make it like it could be so much worse so I'm not allowed
2: yeah yeah which totally then perpetuates the myth in the team or in the sport that feelings are problems yes yes Yes, yes. I see that with my my grief, you know, clients, women who have lost their their husbands in that they will tell themselves a very similar story, which is that I have to be strong in front of my children, I have to be strong in front of my family, because if I show emotion, then that will upset them right? And then it will bring them down and they've already been through so much. That's their story. But what that creates then is this, the perpetuation of the idea that we shouldn't have feelings and that feelings are problems. And so we have to deal with them alone or pretend we don't have them. When really the opposite is true. Like if I allow a feeling, right? If Jess, if you were to, if you were setting that example of, Hey, I felt this feeling, I acknowledged it. I didn't shame myself for it. I didn't stay there. I just let it flow through me. And, and the experience came and went, and now I'm back.
1: Yeah, and then you're feeling the joy and the people around you are able to see you deal with that emotion in a healthy way. And yes. it just builds a better atmosphere. as it's Yes,
2: going. yeah. And that's a human thing. It's not a problem. It's just a human thing. So thank you, Ali, for sharing that. It's so fascinating how many parallels there are. So i want to hear about COVID a little bit. Right. So tell me about your COVID experience, what it was like to have an expectation and then kind of have it squashed by COVID. Yeah. So
1: kind of throughout the entire season, obviously as a team, we were building to go to nationals. That was you know, our end goal. And our team in 2020 was a different team. So I had been a part of the gymnastics team for four years, but that team was a different team. It had a culture like I've never been a part of before. And I really felt connected to those women. And it was almost as if when they said, we don't have nationals anymore, I was like, I'm okay. Like I'm okay. And I was kind of like almost proof to me in a sense that I didn't need it. I didn't need that end result or the medal or whatever, the recognition or something to add to your resume. I didn't need that to know that we accomplished so much as that group of women that is gonna set the stage for years and years to come. Mm. Uh, Got me excited enough to be like, I was okay
2: with the way that it ended. Yeah. How similar or how different do you think the experience of your teammates? Yeah, I definitely
1: met with a couple of them for coffee and stuff afterwards and they were destroyed. They were like, I don't understand how you're able to be in the light of this situation. Like they're like, I feel like my entire world just came crashing down and there's nothing that I can do.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: there is definitely not the same feelings from a lot of my teammates. And it was kind of cool to get to kind of like share a little bit about their worth and who they are is not solely created based on this end result of nationals. And I got to kind of share a little bit of that and like the story that I went through of just like my first three years you know, my feelings turned into self-hatred to the point where you're just so debilitated and you just feel like crap about yourself all the time. And then I was able to share how that and light turned around for me when I started praying and found God, you know, and was yeah. able to use that in a different way.
2: Was it did you just kind of go from we're we this is, you know, we're gonna be at nationals. This is the experience we're having it's not happening. I'm okay. What was the progression from hearing that you, 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 you know, this expectation wasn't going to be met to, to deciding that you're okay.
1: Yeah. I think it definitely took me a couple of weeks to get there. Like I allowed myself though, like after I heard the news, I allowed myself to have that time of just like disappointment. Like I felt disappointed that that was taken from me. I Mm -hmm. felt, um, like sad and upset for all of my teammates around me especially the women who have never got to experience nationals before Mm -hmm. there's a lot of women on that team now who have never been to a national championship and I just know from my first year that's like the most fun that's the peak of our season like that's why we're there and why we're doing it so I really felt that emotion too just for my teammates and the heaviness that that came into play Mm -hmm. and I allowed myself kind of to feel those emotions and be upset for that brief time and stuff. And then to almost switch my thinking and be like, these women also need my help too, to bring them back mm-hmm. into play and to know that they're made for more than just. Sugar.
2: Yeah. It's kind of almost hard to be upset. Not that it's wrong to be upset, but it's kind of almost hard to be upset when you get yourself in that place of service, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So focused on loving people around you. Yeah. I love that for you and for your teammates. Ali, what was it like for you? Because COVID kind of changed your world, too. Um. Yeah, I was a, a
0: little more dramatic than Jess was. Which is fine.
2: <laughs> Good to have the human perspective, though. Thank you.
0: Yes, I am also um, a pretty emotional person and in tune with that and okay with that, too. So that's fine. But um, it was kind of a crazy story. So that ended up being my last year coaching at college. I help out a little bit in some club atmospheres right now, but that was my full-time job. I had spent nine years at UWL and it was amazing. And um, I was, got engaged and I was going to be moving in to a different area, different state and all of that. So I did know that that was most likely gonna be my last season when I heard that. And um, I think I just, I had this feeling that they were gonna win nationals. I just did. They had conference meet that was amazing. And like Jess said, it was just this team that was so connected and so amazing and so much fun. I had so much fun. So then part of my disappointment was like, I was just so excited to be there with them because I thought it was gonna be so fun. <laughs> I was like, and now we don't get this. And so then I actually was driving home to Michigan to see my family for like a long weekend before we came back to train for nationals. And I was on my drive home when they started announcing all the COVID stuff. And they were like, if you leave the state then you can't come back in. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I started calling my boss and I was like, "Um, do you want me to turn around? I haven't crossed the border yet. Like, what are we doing? So it started kind of like really dramatic in that sense of like, I didn't really know what I should be doing. And then I got to Michigan and I was like, well, it's not going to be canceled. I was like, like, it'll be fine. Like she told me to go and I got there and then that's when it got canceled. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I was going to come back home and she's like, just stay there. I ended up being at home for two months because everything was online. And so it was just like this weird reality of like, I was like transitioning into like what I was going to be doing next well not getting closure, I felt like on my season with the girls, and then telling the girls over Zoom rather than in person. And I just, I almost had like this, this is what it was going to be like expectation. And then it wasn't that, that I really had to work through.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So um, yeah, I think I just had these expectations. I did allow myself to, I was like fighting with it for a long time of like, I shouldn't mm-hmm. be sad. I got to have this amazing experience. Like I'm moving on to this next part of my life. So like, that's an exciting thing. And I wasn't allowing myself to be like, I can be upset about this and be excited about my future at the same time. And so that's yeah. where it took me a while to work through that and finally just allow myself to be like, okay, I'm sad about this. Yeah. <laughs> and I did to grieve about it. But I did go through the, oh my gosh, it's so much worse for the Olympians. Cause they're getting the Olympics postponed. I did the, it's so much worse for these people thing for a while. Mm-hmm. And, or it's so much worse for the seniors. Like I'm just a coach they're <laughs> They're the athletes getting this taken away. So I did a lot of that too, which kind of, I think built it up, like Jess said. And then I had mm-hmm. my big cry. And then I was like, oh, I can't believe I let that build up like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. So and that- then after the cry. That's what you needed. Yes. And
0: then I allowed myself to just like be sad about it for a little bit. Kind of like just said, like I, I acknowledged that it was okay for me to be sad about it. And that like it, it's normal basically is what I had to tell myself to be sad about this in general. Yeah. And it didn't matter what everybody else's experiences were. We could all be sad about our own experiences. And yes. so that's kind of what really grounded me. And then from there I was able to um to take steps towards a new direction of looking at it of like maybe this happened exactly how it was supposed to.
2: Mm-hmm. Which probably wouldn't have been available to you had you not allowed yourself to just well, feel the feelings that you had. It was not available to me until after I got to that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How different it would be if every time we felt something we just let it be okay and we just said yeah all humans sometimes feel this way doesn't mean anything bad about me because i feel this way and i have total permission to feel this way and then we feel it and then it passes and there's no comparison necessary there's no there's no drama about making it mean something about who we are judging ourselves for it that would be
0: amazing And I had started the life coach school um, in March, right when all this happened. So I also think that was beneficial for me. So so like I went through all this drama and then we started the life coach school and I started learning about allowing your emotion. I was like, oh, I really need to do this. And So luckily I got that help that I needed in that moment. And that was pretty life-changing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, that's kind of the same thing that happened to me too. I didn't really know I needed it. But yeah. The, but yeah, life coaching came to me at exactly the right moment where, yeah. And then I think the next thing is you kind of, because it seems like a big transition for both of you in that, you know, it's the end of a chapter and another one's beginning and in different ways for each of you, but then thinking and being the boss of your own brain and kind of deciding, it's like that pivot point, right? The opportunity to decide, okay, what do I wanna make this, the way this last chapter ended or my judgments about this last chapter, what of that is is gonna serve me, right? What of that do I need to reframe or let go of? What do I want to bring forward? How do I want to define myself and create this next chapter, right, of my for my life on purpose? Jess, what are your thoughts about how you're doing that? Yeah.
1: So just kind of initial thoughts that came up of just some of the memories from that last season just popped in my head, and they're all the ones that I like want to hold on to, you know, like our conference and like just us just screaming and like having a blast, you know, just like singing so loud and being excited for one another and building each other up. Like those are the memories that I'm like holding on to from that season Mm. and like hanging out on the weekends or getting to connect with them over coffee or something like that. Those are the memories that I'm holding on to, to the point where it I don't like I don't ever think about what could have been a nationals that's like not what I'm thinking about from 2020 I'm thinking about the privilege of all the memories that I got during that
2: time. Yeah. What about you, Ally?
0: honestly, pretty similar. Um, we, like we said, we, this team was super fun and we had so many silly things that happened, them making up like dances and songs to our like alma mater song and like all sorts of fun stuff like that. We're like, I can focus on those memories and what we learned and what we accomplished as a team and what we accomplished from start to the, like, end at conference that year. And like, yeah I don't even think about now we didn't get to go to nationals I get I think about like look at all these amazing things that these girls did and mm-hmm. that they learned for this year many of them are whether even just not doing gymnastics she's still using a lot of those skills and a lot of those things that she learned from that season in her yeah. life and that's kind of what she <clears throat> so no matter the end result gymnastics wise um, we had this amazing growth as human beings and yeah.
2: I think that, <clears throat> that can apply to anything. So that's yeah. And I, I bet that's not though. I bet if we were to pull all of the women on that team, right. Or anyone who was involved or or just even, you know, other listeners that have nothing to do with this team, that's not the same experience that everyone is having, Mm -hmm. but that same experience and it's not right or wrong or good or bad, that experience, but it is an option. anyone who wants it. And I think it's really important that we remember that our brain has one of the most powerful filtering systems in it, right? That we can even imagine. It cannot process all of the information in our world. And so it has to have a way to look for information that's relevant to us, right? It's like, why when you go to, you know, a busy place and you hear lots of ambient noise, you don't really hear the details of the conversations happening. But when somebody says your name, your brain recognizes that, right? Because it's relevant to you. And so because of what you choose to believe, that's what your brain will filter for you. So I think both of you are able to kind of bring those details of the memories that were good because you have asked your brains consciously or unconsciously, you've asked your brain to focus on what was good and valuable From that experience, instead of what was disappointing or didn't match your expectations for the future. And so that's why you're seeing so much of it. But you could also ask your brain to focus on what was disappointing and didn't match your expectations and your brain would show you all of that and make you feel terrible. Right. So it's, it's a conscious decision that maybe you didn't really know that you made, but anybody else can make it going forward that's listening right, to go back in something in the past. Like I, I do that with my, my husband, right? I could focus on the fact that he died I could focus on the accident and all of the terrible stuff that I didn't ever want. And my brain would show me lots of that if, I, if that's where I put my intention. But I put my intention on purpose on the stuff that I wanna bring forward with me from that life experience. And I think we all have the power to do that. And sometimes we just don't quite know how powerful we are. So it didn't happen by accident that you're both able to see the good, right? And something anybody else can do.
1: And yeah. I think too, that it just takes time. Like, I don't think that if this would have happened my sophomore or junior year, that I would have been able to do that. Like there mm-hmm, was definitely some growth that I needed to have happen in me to mm-hmm. be able to, in, as an end result, view it as good. And add yeah. all of those memories.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of, I think it's that natural progression and maybe it's a little bit different for everyone, but certainly, I mean, moments after my husband died, I did not focus on all the good stuff, right? I had to go through all of the emotions and all of the sadness and, and really allow it to be there. And then down the road, when I could get space a little bit from what had happened and a little bit of perspective, and to your point, you know, a different kind of growth, and I could go back and choose how I wanted to tell that story about that chapter of my life which makes all the difference as we go forward. Yeah, totally. Alya, is there anything else you were hoping
0: that we would cover? No, I thought this was amazing. I really just wanted to have this open conversation about what our experiences were like and what we've learned. Um, And I just think it's really important uh, for athletes in general to realize realize that it is grief and that it's okay to grieve and that the process of losing gymnastics can feel in similar ways to the process of losing somebody in your life or in, in that one isn't greater than the other. It's just what you feel as a person. And so I think today was a really great example of that. You sharing your experiences, Krista and Jess. So thank you so much for doing that. Jess, did you have anything you wanted to add? No. I'm good. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. You can come to Athletes Mindset Academy for more information or Krista, would you like to share about your website?
2: Yeah, coachingwithkrista.com. If you're interested in learning more about grief, or you can find me on the Widowed Mom podcast, which even if you're not a widow, if grief is something you want to learn more about, you know, my podcast really speaks to grief in general, not just the Widowed Mom experience.
0: So use us as resources and start to learn how to feel your feelings because they are okay and they're a human experience. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. We believe that you've got this, but we would love to help you in your athletic journey. We know you need to get maximum results in the shortest time possible. So we've created a program with short, effective lessons and coaching that you can fit between practice and the rest of life. We coach parents, coaches, and athletes in the mental and emotional health tools they need to create an environment for athletes to thrive. Invest in the one thing that will have the greatest impact on your success, your mind. Check us out at AthletesMindsetAcademy.com. Let's do this.